Well, it's so good to see all of you here this morning. I'd ask for you to reach in front of you if you don't have a Bible. If you do, grab your Bible. If you've got it in digital form, grab your digital format. Stand to your feet because we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And we're going to stand for the reading of God's word this morning. If, unless you're holding a little one, then you are exempt and excused. But, um, or if you have a... Uh, a physical limitation, please don't feel. But otherwise, just out of respect for the Word of God, we believe that this book is not like any other. It's alive, living, and active. It changes us forever. John chapter 14, verse 22, another part in our series of crossings, how to weather or walk over life storms. Let me read beginning chapter 14, verse 22. Of, uh, did I say John? Matthew, huh? Stay away from drugs, kids. <laughs> Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Matthew 14, 22. I'll give you a second there to turn. Can't believe it. Matthew, John, it's all the same. All right. Matthew 14, 22. Immediately, say that with me. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds. Boy, that's opposite to what people do. You get a crowd and you work it. He breaks the crowd up and he tells his disciples, here's where you need to go. God will be very specific in giving your life direction if you really want it. He really will. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was long way from the land and was beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter, answering him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out on the water. Command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand, took a hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Father, we thank you for your word. You say that your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing soul and spirit, bone and marrow, dividing and discerning the intentions of our hearts. Lord, your word is truth, it's spirit. And today I pray that you would help us to step out of the natural and into the super and begin to believe you for greater things. By the power of your presence, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word. Everybody said, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> now, the, when you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John, all of them have different accounts of this event. And it's not just one moment where the disciples are out on a boat and there's a storm. And it makes sense because in the time of Jesus and in the place where Jesus was, it was easier to sail from destination to destination than it was to 
uh, ride on a horse and go there. In fact, not everybody had a horse. It's not like today where everybody's got a car, or there's public transportation. So these guys would hop on a boat and go across it. Now it was called the, the Sea, but the Sea of Galilee is actually a lake and it's about six miles wide. It's about 12 miles long. And it's not that impressive, except when you get out on those waters, you re and you, if you've ever been there, and I've been there for, for, I've been there multiple times. I've been there for summer seasons and spring seasons and winter seasons. And there's something unique about this because it's so low below sea level, it can turn into a tempest overnight. You could have waves that could be just tiny, tiny little ripples to all of a sudden within 20 minutes, you could have caps crusting at six feet uh, and I've heard as high as 12 feet high, which if you're in a boat like this, like the disciples were, it'll totally swamp the boat and that's it. You're gone. It'll sink you right to the bottom and there's no way you're going to have the strength to swim to shore. And in fact, they, uh, rec not recently, but in the 1980s, uh, one particular friend of mine, um, he was a, uh, I don't know if you're up there in media, I, don't, I can't get this thing to work. There it is. Thank you. Uh, one, a friend of mine, uh, he was a part of the team that discovered part of one of these ancient boats. You're actually looking at the bottom section of a boat dating back to the time of Jesus. They called it the Jesus boat. I know, like, Jesus didn't ride in it. But it gives you an idea of what it's like to have 12 people in something like that in the middle of a, of, of a lake when storms start sloshing and, and waves start crashing and and uh, it's just, it's terrifying. You can't, you, you wonder if you're going to make it and if you're going to live. I used to always read about the disciples and it's, you know, I know the lake and I'd hear like, and they were in the fourth watch of the night and they were rowing. I'm like, man up, man. It's not that hard. Like row to the other side. But when you realize how dangerous these waters are, it totally, totally keeps with, with the place where it, where it happened. Now the first story that we talked about last week, we talked about when Jesus simply calms the storm. And all of the, most all the gospel writers have both the account of when Jesus calms the storm and this account of when Jesus walks on the storm. And we talked about how really the whole point of that first storm is really understood best if you go back a few, uh, a few verses and you read the conversations before Jesus told them to go to the other side. And while Jesus is there, it says that there's a multitude of people. He's got a crowd. He's preaching. He's speaking. He's, he's praying for people. And doctors can't fix them, but Jesus is. And miraculously, people who are paralyzed are walking. People who are blind, their eyes are open. And let me tell you what, that is one reason why you need to come with us to Guatemala. Because next year, we're going to be praying for the sick. And I'll tell you what, nothing will increase your faith like going into a third world context, seeing people who have no hope, no doctor, no nothing, and then you just totally totally realize the only thing you can give them is a little bit of aspirin, a couple of bandages, and some anti-itch cream. And then you realize that unless God intervenes, there's no hope for them. And you get to pray for them, and you watch people walk away healed by the power of Jesus. I don't know if you realize this, but you're in a church that believes that God is a supernatural God, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we're not one of a, we, we're not a weirdo church where we're going to do all kinds of fads and stuff. We do not follow the, the whims of contemporary Christian, but we believe in good old-fashioned religion, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's power in the cross of Jesus, and it has healing in the power of God, and nobody holds that gift. God brings that through people and can change people. How many of you You've seen somebody healed. I watched somebody get out of a wheelchair. Changed my life forever. Forever. It was somebody I personally knew. And it was 
it was, it was amazing. But here Jesus is doing all of that, and then all of a sudden one guy is like, man, this is great, this is awesome. And he goes up to Jesus and he says, hey, teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. He was a scribe, which meant that he could help Jesus with his messages and give him Bible verses and good quibs and quotes, and he could write down what he, what he was. And he's like, we could totally partner together, Jesus, and I could totally, we could, I love this. This is famous. I love big crowds. I'm all about it. I like mega church context. And Jesus looks at him and says, hey, listen, foxes have holes, birds have, the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I'm not calling you to success. I'm calling you to faithfulness. And if you can't follow me for the right reasons, you might not want to consider pursuing me. He goes a little bit further. Another guy runs up to him and says, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. First, let me bury my father. Now, this is a very misunderstood verse because most people think that this is speaking about like his, his father was having a funeral and Jesus said, no, you can't go to the funeral. You need to follow me now. That's not the way it worked. What you would do is, is when someone would pass away, you'd put them in a tomb and they would sit there for a year and after the body decomposed, the eldest son in Jewish tradition would return to the grave and put the bones in a little bone box and then slide it into the family vault. And that's what the man's talking about. When you understand that, you understand what's really happening is the man saying, hey, Jesus, let me schedule you. I've got some stuff going on here. My father, I got to bury him. Let me just put this off for a year. And then after the year passes, I'll do it. I'm going to take a break from serving you. But in a year, I'm all in. Listen, let me tell you what. Jesus looked at him and he made it clear. He said, I'm sorry, I won't be scheduled. And I won't be your second priority. I want all of you or none of you. Walks away from him. Bible says another man walks up to him. One man following Jesus, it, he struggled with following Jesus 100%. Jesus made it clear that a double-minded person fails God, fails themselves, and fails everybody that's dependent on them. He said it like this, yet another man said, I'll follow you, Lord. First, let me say farewell to those at home. And Jesus said it like this, he said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Which, in other words, if you're, if you're going to do this, you need to do it. You can't do it and do this and do it and do that, or you're going to be all over the place. Either, listen, if you're going to do something, do it 100%. You're going to do it, do it. People, listen, Jesus, is not, Jesus does not offer test drives. He says, I want all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. I want 100% of you. Period. So all of these people come up to Jesus and their faith in Jesus is conditioned on what he'll do for them or when he'll let them do it or how they get to divide their heart. And Jesus says, nope, 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 nope. And then he tells the guys that are 100% all in, hop in the boat, let's go to the other side. And when they do, a storm hits. Can I tell you something? Just because you're a Christian does not mean that your problems go away. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. People have problems no matter how much or little they know Jesus. It, it happens. Storms happen to us all. But here's the thing. When Jesus points you in a direction, he's looking for us to have faith that if he tells us to head this way, that he's going to get us through to the other side and we're going to be okay. And the disciples, he brings it to a head and he says this. When they're out in the middle of the water and finally they're freaking out and he says, that's it, I need to change the situation for these guys. He says, peace be still. The, the storm completely calms, and Jesus says to them this. He says, why are you afraid? 
Oh, you have little faith. One of the gospel writers writes it like this. He says, where's your faith? Where's your trust? I mean, that's really what faith is. It's a combination of us being faithful to God and follow through. But it's also us actually trusting that God doesn't have butterfingers. There's so many times in my life where I faced difficult situations and no matter how much I said, oh, I'm trusting Jesus, the truth was is I was, I was trusting him only as long as I could control the situation because I didn't want to leave it into his hands because I can't see them. And good grief, God helps those who help themselves. That's the biggest lie in the universe. God helps those who are helpless and depends on him completely. Does everything they can. Don't get me wrong. Listen, the life of faith requires you to row. You, need to, you can't stop rowing. But there are some storms that no matter what you do, you cannot row to the other side. You are not able to do it. You're incapable. It is impossible. No matter how strong you are, no matter how much endurance you have, you will never make it to the other side. And there are some storms where Jesus shows up and he commands them to still because he knows our faith is limited. And if it continues for too long, too sustained, it'll discourage us and we'll fall away. But every once in a while, like the story we just read, there's a storm that comes along where Jesus says, I need you to forget everything you think you know. And I need you to trust me because what I'm about to ask you to do will not make sense here and will not make sense here. But I need you to, to allow it to make sense here. And that's what happens with Peter. He says to Peter, step out of the boat. Step out of the boat. Look at this, under Roman numeral three, I just want to skip forward there. You have to understand something about Jesus. Jesus did not come to make you nice. He, made, he came to make you a completely new person. Now, it does not mean that if you're a follower of Christ that you're not going to sin and fail him. But if you call yourself a Christian and you have no momentum or effort or desire to do that which is right, I question if you are. Because the Bible says that old things pass away, all things become new. When Jesus comes into your life, he doesn't come in and say, now I'm going to make you a nice person, I want you to follow my teachings, and I want you to put it on your bumper sticker, and when somebody, you know, is in line and cuts you in the grocery store, just be like, God bless, it's okay, no, you're, I mean, let somebody really step on your toes, that will show you what you're made of. That doesn't mean that we don't come short and we fail, but God puts within you when you give your life to Christ when you acknowledge that you're a sinner he's a savior the cross should have been our punishment and you make that divine exchange you take Jesus's righteousness for your sinfulness you all of a sudden have this this change that happens where Jesus removes from you that that the sin and the guilt and the shame and all those things but he fills you with the ability to please God a desire to do that He didn't come to teach the world how to be good citizens. He came to change the world and save it through his death on the cross and his resurrection. And when he comes to you and me, he does not come to us in a natural, philosophical way. He defies nature and walks on water. He will, listen, he will come to, into your life, into your world, into your situation, and you'll be looking at him and you'll be like, how is that even possible? 
because he's God. That's why. He comes to Peter walking on the water. They were terrified. Why? He came to them walking on the sea. That's not normal. You've got to understand something about Peter. Peter spent his whole life understanding that you sail on the sea and you walk on the land. You sail on the sea, you walk on the land. And here he is, he's watched Jesus do all kinds of things. It shouldn't surprise them, it shouldn't terrify them, but all of a sudden they see Jesus in the middle of a storm walking on water. That is not natural. And can I just tell you something? I believe that the word of God is the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God. It is God-breathed. This is not some kind of fable to help us just kind of learn a moral story. This isn't Rudolf Bultmann's teachings. This isn't this isn't about that. I believe with all of my heart when the Bible says that Jesus was walking on water, he was walking on water. He was defying nature. He was demonstrating he was God even over the creation that he made. And this freaks them out. They fear. And, and, and they say this. They say, we're terrified. They were terrified. It's a ghost. And they said, they said it in fear. Here's something you have to understand about experiencing a supernatural God in a natural life. If you move your whole life forward in increments of control and pull back in fear, you will never step out of the boat into the supernatural ever. If you try to make everything make sense here and make sense here, you'll never ever learn to bypass that and allow God to supernaturally make it make sense here. You will live your life in fear. You will live your life in trying to control your situation and your circumstances. You'll try and row every single time to the other side. And sooner or later, you're going to come to a place where you realize it doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how long your endurance is. There is no natural way that you could ever get to the shore in this situation. And it's in that moment, in the difficulty of our life, where Jesus as a loving Savior walks out on the water to you and he says, get out of the boat and do something a little different here. He says, trust me. And Jesus calls Peter and he calls you and me out of the boat. Listen to how Matthew says it. Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out on the water. And he said to him, come. So Peter got out of the boat. He walked on water and he came to Jesus. You can say what you want about Peter denying Christ three times. That man walked on water. That man had something that I desperately want more of in my life. It's called faith. It's called trusting in God when everything you see and everything you think you understand and every possibility says it can't happen and Jesus walks on the water and says, it can through me. Get up, get out of the boat and walk on water. What does that look like for you and me? I mean, now you and I, are we could, we could go out on a boat and... You know, we could totally try this. In fact, uh, I dare everybody, if you would, go out on water. If you've got access to a boat, I'd love for you to send in your videotapes of you attempting to walk on water. That would be awesome. We'll show them here on a Sunday morning. Uh, does that mean that God's calling us to walk on water? Because, you know, that's it. Well, 
in this case, that was their world and that made sense. But what Jesus was really trying to do was to show Peter, Peter, there are things that I can do through your life that if you will trust me, if you will follow my lead and, and stop trying to take the lead, if you will step out instead of trying to depend on only moving when it makes sense here and when it makes sense here, if you will follow me and let it make sense here, I'll do things in your life that you never dreamed possible. That's what it means for you and me. Forget what you understand. You know what life is? Life is a series of limitations. Life says you can only pay the bills if you make X amount of dollars. You can only stay married if you're not an annoying pain in the neck. You, you, you can only move into this house if you make X amount of dollars and borrow money. You can only continue to live if this disease isn't present in your life. It's all these different limitations. And listen, we live in a natural world. We have to pay bills. We have, uh, we have to keep healthy. We have all these different things. And I'm not denying reality that it is a part of life. But you know what? When you are a follower of Christ and when you are looking for the living God to become living and active in your life, every once in a while, he will decide to do something that makes absolutely no sense. And he will come to you like he came to the disciples and he will begin to defy what is natural. And he'll invite you to step out to experience him as a supernatural God. And you'll have a choice. Either I will move back in fear or I will step forward in faith. Let me tell you an instance that this happened in my life. When I uh, was living in Rhode Island years ago, I was invited to become a youth pastor. I was offered a meager salary. None of you would have taken this job. Let alone hang out with a bunch of teenagers. But it's an absolute awesome opportunity. And here's the thing. Like anyone, I wanted to have a house for my wife. I wanted to be able to take care of us. So we started looking for homes. And the first house we look at, you remember, it was a fire-burnt house. They were offering the cheapest house in Rhode Island, $200,000. It had experienced a total devastating fire. And so my wife says, you got to see this house. you got to see this house. She was all excited. you got to see it. I'm like, all right, cool. We can do that. And I walk up and we get to this house and it's all burnt out. I'm like, What? You're asking me to buy used firewood. Are you crazy? And listen, I'm not joking. It was the cheapest house in the state of Rhode Island. $200,000 used firewood. She's like, you could fix that. <laughs> I love my wife's confidence in me, you know. But her father was a renovator. You know, we, we just didn't know. And so here's what happened. We're stepping out of the boat. Listen to me. We're following Jesus. Jesus says, go to the other side. Paul, I want you to trust me. I want you to serve me. I want you to take this job. I want you to work with these teenagers. And I... And this is going to be the salary. And I look at that and I'm like, what in the world? But you know what? When you become a genuine, true follower of Christ, you learn that the truth of following Jesus is simply that. You follow him. You ask him, Lord, what is your will for my life? What do you want me to do? What do you not want me to do? You begin to ask him. And he begins in, in very specific ways sometimes to make his will revealed to you and I knew that I knew that I knew that we were to be in this place that we were to be working with these people and that that was all the job did and we said you know what we're gonna have to step out of this boat because we can't afford to even make a life let alone a living but God will provide we did that and we start looking for houses and all of a sudden the wind and the waves rise and we're like there is no way we're ever going to be able to afford a home I can't even afford a two hundred thousand dollar 
used firewood house. I'm serious. We couldn't even afford that. And my wife does this. She goes, you know what? To the real estate agent, she goes, we just need a miracle house for $70,000. Here's what happens. Now, you understand, the cheapest house in Rhode Island, a house completely burnt by fire, completely burnt by fire. My wife says, we need a miracle house, $70,000. She does this. She goes, I'm so embarrassed. My father just put his house on the market for $70,000 today. And I, I, I just, I, I, you know, he's a bit of a hoarder and I don't want, I, you know, and he's, he was the oldest crack addict I ever met in my entire life. It was crazy. He's just like, she's just like, I just can't. We call my father-in-law and we're like, Dad, you know what? Um, she, she says that her father's selling her house for $70,000. He goes, what? He goes, does it have a roof? Yes. Does it have a furnace? Yes. He goes, buy it. Buy it. We walk in, and within a matter of about a week, now here's what you have to also understand. At that same exact time, I had a meager job, and my wife just stepped into this awesome opportunity with the school district where she was doing specialized diagnostic testing on kids. She was raking in the the big bucks, man. And we were like, praise God. This is the Lord's answer to prayer. She's, God, thank you for providing a job. We're going to row all the way across with this job. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to work hard. And all of a sudden, my wife lost her job. We can't find a house under $200,000. We can't make a living off of what we have. We can't find a home that we could actually move into. My wife says, I need a $70,000 miracle house. She loses her job. But Jesus said, go to the other side. And so we went to the other side. And while we were in the middle of this journey, said, step out of the boat because I'm going to provide for you in a way that you never thought possible. And we moved into our first home for $70,000 by the grace of Jesus. And here's the thing. Storms and stepping out on the water looks different for every single one of us. But the one thing that will always remain the same about this, it will never make sense here. It will never make sense here. But if you dare to trust God, it will always make sense here. The whole world can be raging around you, but you can have a peace be still in the middle of your heart. What does this look like for us, friends? You have to write yourself into the story. You have to write yourself into the story. I never had a college education. I'll never have a job that can provide for me. I'm over the age of 67, and I can't draw an income, and I have no money saved. I'm going to be eating dog food, and I don't know how I'm going to do it. My husband is out of his mind, and he just can't seem to get his act together, and he doesn't have a single desire to do so, and I don't know what I'm going to do. My marriage is on the rocks, and we can't agree on anything except fighting. My house is in foreclosure, and I don't know what to do. My boss hates me, and I don't know where I'm going to find the next job, and I'm not sure where it is. I I don't know what that means. I have been told that I had two words that met together called terminal disease, and they say that my life is going to end in X amount of days. I've been stuck on this addictive cycle for most of my life, and I've tried a thousand different ways to get off of it, and I can't seem to get off this ride. It will look 
The storm may look different for you. The circumstances might look different for you. But if you look at it with this and you look at it with this and you don't use this with faith, you'll never experience the supernatural move of God's hand in your life. You'll always be like the disciples cowering in the back of the boat with great fear. You'll always be the ones that will watch somebody else step out on the water and never experience it yourself. But if you'll dare to forget what you know and you'll begin to trust the God that you're coming to understand and begin to say, God, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know when, I don't know what, but if you told me to go this way and to do this, you brought me, you told me you're going to get me to the other side safe, and if, if you're willing, Jesus, ask me out of the boat, and I'll step out. Faith is this incredible thing that is easy to talk about. It is amazing. In decades of working in church ministry, in, in decades of working with Bible college students and preparing them for ministry, in years of having friends that have served in all kinds of experiences around the world, you know what I found? People talk a really incredible faith game, and it sounds incredibly, cra incredibly really nice, and we know how to say the right things, but it takes a person of genuine childlike faith to look at the God who says with God nothing is impossible and say I don't know how Jesus I don't know I don't know how this can happen it makes no sense to my mind it makes no sense to my eyes but I know this that perfect love casts out all fear and I'm going to trust you you love me and you are going to make it happen one way or the other I'm not going to tell you what the miracle should look like but if you call me out of the boat I'm going to step out of it are you praying to God for an opportunity to experiencing him and experiences his hand in a supernatural way? Or are you just living your life rowing to the shore? Are you inviting the God of all possibilities to change the odds in your favor? Or are you just content and have resided yourself to say, it'll never be different, it'll always be the same, my kids will follow my cycle, my problems will always be there with me, and it'll never happen. Or are you willing to just say to God, Lord, I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know, I don't know where, I don't know what, but all I know is, is that I need a miracle, and I know that I can't do this on my own, but if you tell me to step out, I'm going to get up and I'm going to put my foot, and I'm going to trust that you're not going to leave me to drown. There's a beautiful picture that somebody painted recently. I got to get it for our foyer. It's a picture of Peter in the water, except the picture is Peter looking up at Jesus, reaching to him who's already gone under. Here's the crazy thing about faith. It doesn't have to be perfect, and you won't always get it right. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to misread what God is calling you to. But here's the thing that makes Peter my patron saint, if I can say that in a Protestant church. Not to worship, but he's why, here's why he's my hero. Is the man messed up? He did. But my goodness, he did things that nobody else did because he was willing to forget about this and this. And he was willing to trust Jesus with this. The man walked on water. When was the last time God supernaturally worked in your ministry? When was the last time God supernaturally worked in your marriage? 
When was the last time God supernaturally worked in your money situation? Where's the last time where you called out and cried out to the God of heaven and said, there is no possible way that this could change, that you can make a difference. But God, if you called me in this direction, then God, you're going to make a difference. You know what? God called you in a direction he can pay off your house. God called you in a direction he can bring peace to your spouse. That rhymes, I didn't try to do that, but it works. I'm telling you right now, it's time that we stop talking about faith. You sound wonderful. It's really great. You sing the song goods, but it's time that we begin to be a church that begins to walk out. And can I just say it, not like weirdos and wackos. I, I have no desire for us to be one of those churches where we all of a sudden, we, we bark in the spirit and we giggle in the ghost and all that stuff. And I, I, I'm not talking about stuff and or making fun of anybody that focuses on that but let me tell you what God calls us into a supernatural walk with him and wouldn't it be something if God supernaturally pulled you out of debt supernaturally pulled your marriage out of its downward spiral supernaturally opened up your womb supernaturally healed you of cancer and disease supernaturally put love in your heart for people instead of living so selfishly supernaturally opened your eyes to a world of need that you began to make a difference in it what if God used you to be the answer but the only way that that's going to work is, is if you step out of the boat. And I find that it's, it's a 1 in 12 ratio if I let the odds work off of this story. Only 1 in 12 people will dare to do it. I'd just like to think that maybe all of those 1 in 12 are in this building. Let me, let me speak to your disappointment. Because there are some of you in this room that have believed God and hoped and it never happened. I remember my... I remember believing for Paul Travers that God would heal him. Brought him to Times Square Church. Had a friend who was on the board there. They had... 4,000 people crying out to God, was believing God for a miracle. It never happened. God took him home. I don't understand why my friend who was a cripple watching her get up, man, that was a life-changing moment, watching her get up and walk. I don't understand why God provided a house for $70,000 for us and yet watching other people drowned in over-purchasing and over-extending their... their re I, I, I don't understand how all of it works. Uh, maybe it's what I was just talking about, that when you start to, to try this thing called faith, you're going to make mistakes. The story's not going to always go the way that you want it. Maybe that's why Peter said, Lord, if it's you, call me out. Can I just tell you, probably what we need to do is ask God and pray to Jesus, Lord, if there's a miracle that you want to do in my life, would you please specifically help me to believe you and make it clear to me where, you know, we could all of a sudden be like, well, God's going to pay off my, my mortgage and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I have, I have cancer, my marriage is falling apart and he's going to pay off my mortgage and I just need to step out of the boat because he's going to do it. You know, who knows? I mean, look at the story of Job. God glorified himself through his sickness. Not every story ends in the wave of the supernatural, but some of them I think could have if we just stopped relying on this and this and started relying on this. And here's the lesson that I've learned. I've learned not to dictate to God. 
but to ask him, oh God, please invite me into something new, something greater for my life. I'm not going to put conditions on you. I don't want to wrongly be disappointed in you, but I also don't want to live an ordinary life that just thinks that you've come to make me a nice person. You've come to make me new. And if you can change me from being the awful, ugly human being that I was to somebody that actually loved you and loved other people and was willing to, to sacrifice to make a difference in this world, then, man, walking on water is nothing for you. Here's what I'd like to do across this room. I'd love for you to stand to your feet. I'd like for you to be mindful of what your storm is. See, I ask myself some questions sometimes when it comes to this story. And I'd put them out to you for you to answer this in your heart. My storm is made of, it's made of fear. It's made of limited possibilities. It's made of limited finances. It's made of cancer, AIDS, hepatitis C, heroin, bad marriage. My fears look like what? That it'll never be different and never be the same. That that I'm just going to be disappointed again because I'm going to ask God for help and hope and he's going to just let me down. Lord, my heart desires that. What is it that you desire for God to do? You know what? God wants to hear. God loves you. This is the place I always start. I have to remind myself, and we sang two songs about it. Jesus, we love you, but God also has a reckless love. Love is a two-way street. And, and as we begin to, the starting point, the first step to a miracle is understanding this, that God, that you're not punishing me. You love me and you want to help me. No matter what's going on around me, I am reminded of the fact that you love me. You care for me. But Lord, I've got a storm. My fear is, is that I'm not going to make it. I think your desire for me in this storm would be this. And Jesus, I'm asking you to call me out of the boat. And calling me out of the boat means that my first step probably needs to look like this. You know what? If you have a miracle need in your life, you know where the first step is going to be? It's not going to be for you to think about it. It's going to be for you to pray about it. All across this room, let me just, with a wave of hand, real quick, tell me right here, you say, you know what? There's a storm in my life. There's limitations. And the only way that it's going to change is by God. But I really, I really need God to help me in this area. Just put your hand up and down real quick, all over this room. You know where that starts? It, it starts with us thinking about it, but that's where most of us stop because we limit it to here and here. The next step, that first step, is that call to Jesus and say, oh God, call me out of the boat. And Lord, call me into a new level of faith. And it means that you begin to walk in a new direction. Even though everything says it can't happen, you trust a God that loves you and that can do the impossible for you. And maybe it's as simple as this. Oh God, I can't even live a holy life. My, maybe there's, and I feel like there's someone in here this morning that, that it's not cancer and it's not addiction and it's not a marriage and it's not an anger problem. It, it, it is just the fact that you can't seem to live a holy life. And God says to you, you know what? I want you to step out of yourself and I want you to allow me to step into your life and become your Lord and Savior and change you because I haven't come to make you nice. I've come to make you a new creation. Old things can pass away. All things can become new. And Lord, if I sink... Remind me that you're going to grab me. You know what? Nothing would please God more 
than for you to gulp in a lung full of water trying to believe him for the impossible than just sitting in the boat your whole life, never making a move because you're afraid. You're afraid. Do you know what some of you, you know what your story, at the end of the day, it, the stories look different, but you know what every wave and every wind and every lightning strike is made of? It's made of fear. Fear that you'll fail God. Fear that the situation will overtake you. Fear. But perfect love casts out all fear. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, you call us not to fear, you call us to faith. You call us to step out of the natural and into the supernatural. Lord, you say to us not to be mere hearers of the words, but doers. Jesus, you call us to believe you for the impossible, not for ourselves. We can't row through this storm. But now, Lord, some of us in this room, we're asking you to help us to walk over this storm. We're weary and we realize how impossible this is, but nothing is impossible with you. What's impossible with man is possible with you. And we're crying out to you this morning here, asking you, oh God, call us out of the boat of this situation. Call us out of the hopelessness of this circumstance and call us into the supernatural to begin to walk on the waves and to trust you to do what is impossible in and of ourselves. I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us in this song one more time which is really the story that we just read. Peace be still. And I'm going to invite you, if you have a situation in your life and you're saying, you know what, I've thought about this, I've talked about this, I've even prayed about this, but now I'm going to step out for this and I'm stepping forward and my coming forward here to the front is my crying out to God saying, Lord, call me out of the boat. Call me into faith. Call me into the supernatural. God, I'm giving you an opportunity to do something supernatural in my life and the only thing I can do to make that happen is for me to naturally walk up here to this front but that's going to be my step Jesus that's it and Lord I pray that you would begin to bring breakthrough into people's lives by the power of the Holy Spirit as they play this song my invitation to you is this for you to do the only thing you can do is to simply walk up here and acknowledge before God your limitation. But in your heart, acknowledge before heaven. He's a supernatural God. And I believe this will be the beginnings of you walking on water in your situation. God bless you as you come.
are all you did was simply walk forward that's it that's all you did here's the truth of faith here's the truth of a life of faith that's all you can do so many times we try to work this thing up and we think oh when I get holy enough when I pray enough when I when I when I do enough well then maybe God will do it here's the thing about the God that you know that loves you and that you serve he is not interested in doing things for you because you've earned it he's interested in doing them for you because he loves you and he wants to bless you and he wants to help you and you are not in this alone and you don't have to depend on yourself because you have a God that can totally walk over everything that is natural and normal and change the conditions of everything Father, right now in the name of Jesus, lift up your hands here. Those of you that are front, right here. Those of you that are out there, if you need something from God, the same is true to you. We're going to receive from a God. We're going to, the answer is going to begin in heaven. And it's going to make its way to your world on earth. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, would you release the supernatural move of your hand? Not because we've earned it. Not because we've worked up to it. But because you love us. Because you love us. Because you love us. Lord, we love you. And we're asking you, Jesus, call us out of the boat to walk over this storm right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that addiction would be broken. I pray, oh God, that financial ruin would turn into financial resurrection in the name of Jesus. I'm praying that marriages would be healed. I'm praying, oh God, that fears would be stilled. You're a supernatural God, and we're going to begin to trust you, not because it makes sense to our eyes, and not because it makes sense to our mind, but because it makes sense in our heart, because you love us. And perfect love casts out all fear. In Jesus' name, as you... As you just finish up here, I encourage you to sing this song. Let it be your prayer. Let it be your anthem. We're going to pick right up. Let faith arise. And that's the thing of faith. It starts with a walk and it turns into a beat. And then God begins to break through in your situation. Friend, God is going to answer your prayer. He's going to bring a miracle into your life. You're going to walk over this storm because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Sing it with them. Let faith rise up. Let faith rise up. Jesus. Jesus. Let faith rise up in our life, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give us the gift of faith, Jesus.
Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you that we just simply do what is natural and you do what is super. Now, Lord, you've heard the prayers. You've heard the calls of your people. Lord, would you begin to help us to walk over this storm. Lord, there's no rowing through this. There's no ceasing it. It's time that we fearlessly begin to walk over it. And Lord, we're not going to wait for the stillness to come. We're going to step out on the waves. We're going to step out into the wind. And we're going to step into a trust that you love us and that you never leave us and you never forsake us. We give you all of the glory and all of the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. We love you. And most importantly, Jesus loves you. You're free to get your children. You're free to stay and pray. You're free to go. God bless you.